0: Mmm. morning beautiful people welcome back to the second hour of love babs love talk i am delighted to talk to georgia goldburn today who is the uh, executive director founder of uh, the uh, hope center for development hope development center for children uh, over there on olive street and she's here this morning to talk about what they got cooking for monday hello miss georgia you gotta unmute yourself
1: Geez, I do this long enough, you'd think I would know. <laughs> you look amazing this morning. Thank so you. Glamorous Thank and beautiful. Carol, I'm trying to keep up with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you, you're
1: kind. So how are you? You know, I'm okay. Unfortunately, the childcare industry is not. And so... That's really what's cooking up for Monday is um, an alerting to everyone that we're not okay. You know, there is <clears throat> an African tribe that, when they greet each other, they always ask, "How are the children?" And they properly assess how the society is doing by how the children are doing. And right now, the childcare industry is not doing well, which means that children, are not going to be doing well because families will not have access to care for them. So while I'm fine, unfortunately, once again, we find ourselves in a crisis, which is predictable by the way, and which we have been trying to alert everyone in the state to.
0: And so the crisis is that childcare places, centers um, are, have a staff shortage. Yes. They can't afford to pay. Uh, uh, you correct me if I'm wrong, they can't afford to pay um, higher, higher wages.
1: Yes. So the childcare industry is amongst one of the industries that is the lowest paid. And historically, it's always been that. But prior to the pandemic, we were able to attract other low wage workers and what was wonderful about the industry is we could bring people in with low with low skills and train them up provide them with minimally a CDA, an associate degree, or help them to get a bachelor's degree. And a lot of these things are supported by the state. So we were able to attract a lot of people who were interested in working with children and saw those um, benefit as a way to advance their career and their profession. And unfortunately, what would happen with a lot of those folks once they got the degree and once they received the credential, they were able to move that into a setting where they could basically garner higher wages. But we always have some sort of a pipeline that we were able to attract new people in, train them up, and unfortunately, lose them to the public school. So that was a dance that the childcare industry has been doing for many years. Lo and behold, a pandemic hit, and now we have all industries across the country, not just in Connecticut, across the country that are struggling to find staff. And the response of many industries have been to wait, to raise their, their salary, their wages, and not only raise their wages, but wage raise their um, compensation. The childcare industry is primarily funded by parents. And so, that is the biggest part of every single parent's budget is their daycare cost and so it's, there's already there was already a tension with the cost for parents inflation is at a 30 and 40 year high and so many parents just are not we're not able to do it before the pandemic and they cannot do it now and, and we are not able to respond like other industry and say oh we're just going to offer an additional 3 to 4 dollars an hour to attract people into the industry. So that low skill um, pipeline is completely dried up to us because a person without an, with just a high school degree, a high school diploma, can now go and work for McDonald's or work for Amazon, even work for Yale and make upwards of, of $20 an hour. We're just not able to do that with the childcare industry. And unfortunately, you have people who have their degree who have a bachelor's degree, some of them have their master's degree and their own, and and, and many of them are making less than somebody who works at Amazon. And so the chicken has come home to roost for the industry and we are not able to get anybody who are interested to come and work in a really very labor intensive industry for $14 an hour, which is what the minimum wage is. Wow. And no benefits.
0: All right, so so what do you do? I know you started an organization, uh, you've got CIRCLE, which <clears throat> is uh, a shared services approach. Um, how, what role does that play in this? And, and can that be a tool to raise awareness and leverage uh, to the folks who make decisions about allocation of resources?
1: So CIRCLE was designed specifically to do that because we recognize in any business you can either impact the revenue or you can impact the expense um, to make a business profitable. We recognize that we have little leeway in the revenue side because parents really do not have the extra funds to deal with the increases. And so Circle was created to build economies of scale because for a lot of businesses, childcare businesses, they're really very small. Um, the majority of childcare businesses in the country, 90%, I know this is going to be a shocking number, 90% of childcare businesses are family childcare businesses. They're wow. not, exactly, a lot of people are not aware of that. Kindercare and Bright Horizon are not representative of the childcare industry. They're very small, women run small businesses. The majority, the, the, the medium size of a child care business or the medium capacity of a child care um, center in in Connecticut is about 30 to 40 children. So these are really small business. So what Circle has done is to create us a, a, a network of providers where we can come together and share resources across the, uh, across the setting. Circle also are able to bring funding into the childcare industry that they wouldn't otherwise have access to. And in addition to the funded and the resources that we bring, we are able to work with legislators and work with policymakers to make sure that they're creating policies and do and, and um, investing in the childcare industry in the way that will help businesses. One of the things we did last year as an example through Circle is the structure of many childcare businesses is such that many grant funders will not consider them. A family childcare provider will find it very difficult to secure a grant from say a community foundation. Um, A a for-profit business are basically precluded from applying for grants from any sort of a, a nonprofit foundation. And so Circle, can come into those spaces and say, we can secure the funding because our structure allows us to do that. And then we can share those resources across providers. So an example, last year, we, we secured a quarter of a million dollars um, from the State Department of Education, and we were able to provide childcare for free, summer camp for free for over 300 ch- children statewide last year through 20 of our childcare network providers. So those are some of the things that CIRCLE is really set up to do. And the event on Monday is also one of the big things that CIRCLE has been working on because it represents a launch of about eight um, workforce pilot across the state that is designed to attract and to train um, individuals in in an accelerated way give them the requisite skills that they're going to need to go into a childcare facility to work and make those individuals available to our network providers across um, across the greater New Haven area. Again, there's about eight pilot that's actually um, operating right now. They have about 18 cohort. Circle is operating and has been funded to to create um, one, to operate one of those pilot. And so on Monday, we are doing our launch event and we have, so we are so blessed to have Rosa Delora, who's going to be there with us. Rosa was instrumental in helping to secure $50 billion um, for the childcare industry. Um, I had the privilege to testify before her um, during, the, um, during the pandemic to secure that $50 billion. Um, and Tony Walker will be joining us as well. And Tony is also a fighter along with, um, with Rosa for the childcare industry. And Tony Walker was instrumental in helping to secure $6 million in funding this past legislative session um, to pilot um, apprenticeship programs for the childcare industry. And she was also instrumental in helping us to secure $70 million um, as a way to subsidize a two dollar an hour increase for childcare worker, wow. the governor the governor came out the other day and announced those bonus, and that was that bonus is tied to that seventy million dollars that Tony secured for us. And of course, our wonderful commissioner, um, Commissioner Bai, who herself was previously a childcare provider, started as a family childcare provider, and she is in the fight. She's been in the fight, the worthy wage fight. So she, they will be joining us as. Um, special guests, along with a couple of other providers across the state and policy people to just just celebrate this launch and celebrate this wonderful step in the right direction towards creating a pipeline for um, the early care industry. We're also really very blessed that we are embarking on a partnership with, with the New Haven Public School to create um, an apprenticeship program in the public school. And we are hoping that with this funding, we can launch and pilot an early, child, um, our early childhood apprenticeship program so that a high school person who's interested in working in early childhood or in, in, in education can graduate after two years with a degree in A minimal degree in early childhood education, along with their high school diploma. So we're just bringing all of those folks together just to celebrate um, the launch of these initiatives on Monday. And where's the launch taking place tomorrow, Georgia? It's going to be at Hope Child Development Center, which is at 81 Olive Street. Um, And it is, you know, special invitees only, um, but we do welcome the media to come out and to (laughs) certainly celebrate with us and to highlight this really wonderful initiative that's happening across the state.
0: All right. So, so how long will this pilot take because you have an immediate need now to, Mm -hmm. to uh, daycare providers and have an immediate need now, how long will this pilot take to get bodies into these opportunities?
1: So Circle has actually been doing this work for eight years. We launched, um, we came up with our initiative some eight years ago. And a part of what we did was to work with other stakeholders to convince the state that this is a step that they need to take. And so we have been working with lots of different organizations in the greater New Haven area. And so we have a a, a good system of finding people right now. We have um, eight people that's already being trained in our in our pipeline. We are now going to be working with the New Haven Public Schools to see if we can identify students in their program that um, we will be working with as well. Um, and in addition to that, um, we have other organization that has been doing some aspect of this work for years. This is the first time though that the state has actually funded this initiative and has made it available on a large scale basis. And so people, we have 18 cohorts right now and the cohorts are made up of about 12, eight to 12 people. And so we've got over a hundred people Um, that's already in the system. And some cohorts are going to run for uh, for three months and some will run for six months. So there will be some folks available for hire in a short period of time. And at least by six months, we will um, be making about 100 people available for employment.
0: So uh, expenses for childcare, I would imagine is only gonna grow as time goes by if it's if it's family generated like if the daycare industry depends on families to pay for the service i would imagine that those fees will have to grow over the next year or so and and now that you've got this two dollar supplement but beyond that what happens like what would you like to see happen beyond that
1: well, one of the things um, we know that needs to ha- be, needs to happen is that there needs to be significant federal investment in the child care industry. We were really very disappointed when Bill Bat Better failed, um, because that would be would have been a game changer for parents and for the child care industry. And I want to point out, Babs, that we talk about child care in within the framework of parents and children, but a lot of people do not know or may not know that the childcare industry was deemed an essential, we were deemed essential workers during the pandemic. We were brought in to the state's emergency response um, to the crisis because what the governor and the state understood is that they were not gonna be able to respond to the health crisis without the childcare industry. The childcare industry is the workforce that supports all of Connecticut's workforce. And so the childcare industry was asked to step in to provide care for the nurses and the doctors and the firefighters and the first responders and the bankers and the grocery workers and the folks who work in a nursing home. We were called upon to deliver care for the children of those workers so that the state could respond to the pandemic. And so the state also has a role to play in this. Because while we recognize that the federal government is the only place that can bring the type of investment into the childcare system that's needed, the state absolutely has a role to play. And we are asking that the state step up and recognize that just like in the pandemic, you understood that you were not going to be able to keep Connecticut moving forward without the childcare industry you have to make the necessary continued investment that's needed because we cannot keep asking parents and child care providers to bear the full cost of a system that benefits every single person in the state.
0: Wow, that's pretty powerful. I don't think people really thought about how the child care industry supported all these first responders and frontline workers and necessary folks in the pandemic i mean so these churches had to go somewhere
1: they had to go somewhere and the governor called on us the governor called on us and he met with us several times during the pandemic he basically funded us to cover the cost of those um, providers those parents that are in the bank and that were in the grocery stores that were first responders um, the majority, the the majority of our families at hope, they work in the healthcare industry. We could not shut down because they had to go to the um, to the hospital to care for folks. And for many folks, they feel like, well, you know, I don't have any kids, so this doesn't impact me. During the pandemic, the people who were getting sick and dying were seniors. None of them had kids. Most of their kids are grown and they're mostly dealing with child with, with their grandkids. <laughs> But they needed the child care industry, the the, the nurse and home staff needed the child care industry in order to show up for those seniors and to respond to their healthcare crisis. And so, what the business industry has recognized this, thankfully, because CBIA has now come out in full support. Of the childcare industry and increase investment of the childcare industry because they're hearing from their um, members that they cannot continue. Many of the disruptions of um, of for their staff is related to child care. Four out of five business owners in a recent childcare um poll reported this: that the majority, the, the main reason why. They are having difficulty with maintaining stable and predictable staffing is related to the childcare industry. This affects every single person, every single business, everyone across the board. And so there needs to be a federal response because we know the state of Connecticut cannot do it. Minimally, we're going to need $700 million every year. That's a minimal, that's just to keep the childcare industry alive and floating. And the state of Connecticut will not be able to make that $700 million available each year, but they can absolutely start to make steps towards increasing the amount of um, investment that they make um, to, to this industry and for young children and families.
0: So Georgia, what happens if we don't have reliable, safe daycare providers? to support workers and it, or to just support.
1: So what will happen is what happened during a pandemic is that parents can't go to work, but even more pernicious um, Babs and I'm so glad you asked that question because I've shared this multiple multiple times. I don't think a lot of people know this in 2016 and 2017, the Care for Kids program was shut down. This yes. was a subsidy that was made available to parents. And I'm glad that you remember that event. Um, it was a subsidy. I remember was- Care
0: for Kids because I was a I have four children. Mm-hmm. And uh and and, and at any given time, sometimes I could get it, sometimes I couldn't because it was overwhelming. Like it, yes. it, it the demand was so great that you mm-hmm. couldn't you couldn't you always couldn't. access it.
1: Right. And the uh, for a lot of parents, that program was closed off to them in 2016 and 2017. The result was in that year, and it, it didn't happen previous to those years, and it hasn't happened subsequent to those years. Nobody's willing to tie the events together, but I am going to tie it together. Nine children, nine babies died six of them in unregulated care. That was such an extraordinary event for the state that the state launched a campaign around trusted licensed care. That event has never happened in the state before and it has not happened subsequently in the state. Nine babies died. So So that
0: means that somebody put their children in unlicensed, untrained daycare provider situations.
1: And we lost six precious lives in that type of a setting. So we don't have to speculate as to what is going to happen. And that's why for me, this issue is such an urgent issue. It's not just about, again, supporting businesses. It's not just about supporting the developmental needs of young children. It's not just about helping parents like yourself, Babs, who needed access to care and needed help to pay for it. It's about these precious young children who are now going to, currently in a situation where parents cannot find care for them. I will share with you Babs that I have a classroom that has been shut down for over a year. And that classroom has been shut down because I don't have access to staff to open up that classroom. And those, that's a slot for 16 children in that classroom. Right now, once we enroll our final child in our infant room, Hope will not have a space for infants for the next year. Wow. And that's because I I have a classroom that's closed and I cannot move children as quickly out of classrooms and free up spaces to bring them in. No one will be able to access my toddler program unless a parent withdraws from our program. And That we are very representative of what's going on across the state. Classrooms are currently shut down right now. We have providers that are going to join us on Monday, both state-funded and um, non-state-funded programs are reporting that classrooms are shut down in their building and children are going unserved in the state because they cannot find the staff to open up those classrooms. That's what we're trying to highlight for every single person that's out there who are not aware of really what's going on in the state right now.
0: Wow. So this, so you have to do a couple of things. You have to, I guess I would imagine you have to educate the public about what childcare looks like and what it is.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And you have to, Engage people who want to work in this industry. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> You're right. We have that's to. That's a heavy those. lift. <laughs> Girl, that's why I am so tired. <laughs> and this is why we are so tired. And this is why the childcare industry came together um, at the beginning of this year and we rallied. And we gained in Connecticut national attention for the rally that we did. People from all over the country looked at what the child care providers did, because what we did was so unique. Every single type of child care provider across the state, family child care providers, group home providers, center-based providers, private organization, public organization, state funded, non-state funded, people in the rural area, people in the urban areas, they all came together And they decided we have to raise attention to the crisis that's going on. And we fought together to let parents and to let the state of Connecticut and legislators know that we cannot continue to underfund this critical infrastructure. In 2020, the governor referred to the childcare industry as a part of the state's crucial infrastructure. We would never say to the state, to our state residents it's okay to drive on a bridge that is crumbling and we know the infrastructure is crumbling we see all of the cracks we see all of the broken hinges we see all of the the strain on the buttresses and but it's okay we can continue to drive across that bridge until it falls down and collapse <laughs> who is going to be okay with that and who is willing to be the one that's going to go down with the bridge and be the martyr in this fight? But that's literally what this country is asking is asking of us and asking of all of us to do, is to drive on a broken bridge. And once the bridge collapses, we are going to sing songs and remember the people who died on the bridge. And then we're going to fix it then. And we're saying at that time, it's too late. We can take preventative actions. We can be proactive. We know what's going to happen. So why aren't we acting? Why aren't we taking the necessary steps?
0: Wow. Okay, so, so you got a fight on your hands. You've got some good folks fighting for you.
1: We do. That we do, and I we are really grateful because we also have a coalition, um, the Connecticut for Childcare Future, and that mm-hmm. is a coalition that's really bringing all of the providers rec- um, from across the state together to engage in this fight. We saw the power of what happened when we decided to do our day, our morning without childcare. We secured 183 million dollars for the childcare industry. And that, to put that in context, Babs, is more it it, it, equi- it was equivalent to half of the total early care budget at the Ooh. time. So that tells you also, one, the state is severely under investing in child care, and it can do better. Child care represents less than ten percent of the state's educational budget. But you know, What childcare does not represent? It does not represent less than 10% of a child's um, brain development. A lot of people may start to hear more and more of this. 80% of a child's brain is developed by the time that they are three. 90% by the time that they are five. I do not understand the economic sense to invest in, invest 10% of your budget in building 90% of a child's brain and then invest the other 90% of your budget in trying to fix the poor workmanship that occurred as a result of investing 10% of the child brain. And that's the decision that the state is making because all some of the issues that we're seeing in the public schools is a direct result of the underinvestment in the early care and education system.
0: Well, that's as been for, the... um. That's been the head start conversation and the an early childhood conversation for years and years and years. I mean, I I, I used to run Jumpstart for young children. And uh, and we used to have these conversations all the time about school readiness. And when does school readiness? School readiness can't start at kindergarten. It's gotta start way before kindergarten. You know, you want kids to their brains are developing. You wanna give them the the tools that they need to to start that development and to move along, not have gaps in it, so.
1: And Babs, we have been, you have been having this conversation, we have been having this conversation. And I'm gonna use another analogy. We, you know, We are asking a contractor to build a house. We hire two contractors and we say, okay, first contractor, we're gonna give you 10% of our budget. And we're gonna ask you to build 90% of this house. And then I'm gonna give the second contractor the other 90% of my budget to basically finish what's being done on the house and fix anything that um, will result from the work that the, the contractor that was doing 90% of the work will do. We would never do that to build our house. We would know that that would be a ridiculous use of our funds, <laughs> the waste of our resources, because that person is going to be coming up with a plan and doing the best that they can to buy all of the materials, to find all of the labor and the work, to build something up. And we know what the result is going to be. And so that's how we have decided in in the state of Connecticut and across the country that we are going to build children and it's and it's a waste of resources it's a waste of um the precious time that we have to build those brains so that they can be ready for lifelong learning and then we pay on the back end yes
0: <laughs> we pay on we pay on the back end with the school to prison pipeline that's what absolutely. That, that's how we pay
1: absolutely
0: so, so tomorrow uh, the legislative people are coming uh, Rosa DeLauro Tony Walker all the folks are coming to sort of support um, uh, this effort. Mm -hmm. Um, They've worked hard and brought some money this way. Um, And so what would you like to see happen after the fact, Georgia? Like, what is the dream?
1: The dream, my dream, hmm. Well, I have a dream that I can't share with you, Babs, but... (laughs) (laughs) It involves Idris Elba. <laughs> Girl,
0: no, you can't have him. That's my man. <laughs> we have the same well, dream. You,
1: you said to share my dream.
0: <laughs> we, we have the same dream. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: We have the same but dream. But outside of Idris, my dream um, is the dream that I'm living every day um, at my Center at home. Every day I go into a center with people who are dedicated and devoted to raising up really wonderful, amazing children, and they pour themselves into those children every day. And we are so blessed and privileged to have parents who come in and partner with us in that effort. And we have the additional privilege of seeing what the work we both do together result in when we have children who come into the center, who are delayed, and who have um, complex medical issues, and who have, um, you know, just, and we're seeing a lot more of these, especially with children who are home in the pandemic, who were not developing um, or who, who are not going to ever develop because they have their autism, uh, develop at a normal um, pace as other children because they're autistic or because they have Down syndrome or some other um, you know intellectual disability. And we have seen those children thriving in schools. My dream is that what we replicate at Hope, what we do at Hope every day can be replicated in every single center across the state and across the country. And that's what I work to do. That's what CIRCLE was designed to do because we know that for lots of childcare providers, lots of early educators, it's not that they don't have the skill and the ability to do this work, is that they don't have the resources. And so I know that if they have the resources that what happens at Hope Child Development Center every day can absolutely happen across the city, across the Greater New Haven area, and across the state, and across the country. That is my that is the dream that I work to replicate across the state. I do that in my work at Hope. I do that in my work through Circle. Um, I'm I doing that with my advocacy at the state and the national level with my work with the National Association for the Education of Young Children. And if at the end of my life, Babs, that any aspect of that dream can be realized well beyond the borders of hope, mm-hmm. then you know, it would be okay that I didn't get Idris. Um, I can go <laughs> I can go to heaven. <laughs> I'll wait till you
0: with him from uh, Barbados or somewhere, wherever we where okay, we're we're so
1: vacationing. <laughs> oh, Babs, I'm gonna be dreaming with you too, girl. I'm gonna <laughs> be behind you. they no, will try to steal it. But truly, if that is achieved in any measure, um, that would be ultimately the dream that I have and the dream that I hope I can see realized in my lifetime.
0: Well, I so appreciate you coming on this morning uh, prior to your uh, event on Monday. I appreciate this. I, I, I think you do an amazing job of elevating the plight and the need uh, for uh, quality early childhood development and education, uh, quality uh, childcare centers, quality people um, serving this community and working with these children. So uh, I'm just so glad that I I talked to you this morning about uh, something that sort of flies under the radar. Oftentimes, when we talk about you know where resources ought to be allocated, children is always the last thing on the list.
1: Mm -hmm. And I don't understand that because they're going to be the ones taking care of us when we are in Barbados with possibly Idris. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and that's the truth <laughs> thank you so much miss goldburn it, so it was lovely and to see lovely you again and lovely to too. talk to you and i want you to call me again call me anytime you want to come on and you want to raise this uh, you want to let us know keep us informed and let us know how we could be better help to
1: you and to this cause Absolutely, and thank you guys so much for always supporting the work that we do and elevating um, to, the, to the community the work that's actually happening um, with us. So thank all you. Right.
0: Thank you, and enjoy your weekend. You too. <laughs> all right, I'll see you soon. Right. Thank you. All right, Harry, that's our Friday. Uh, we are on our way out. We will be back on Monday, and we hope you all be safe out there Get out and enjoy this day because it's going to be very pretty this weekend, or at least today and tomorrow. So I'll see y'all. Bye, Georgia.
1: Bye. Whoa.